Okay, y'all ready to get started? Hi. Hello, Matt. How are you? Good to see you guys again. Welcome back, everybody, um, to our second session of Discovering Jesus. We're so glad to have you um, and to be with you. I want to kind of start with kind of reflecting on what we listened to, what we heard last week, and what we learned. One, I'm really wondering, as I kind of tell you what I pondered about this week, I'd love for you guys to get ready to tell me what maybe stuck with you, that you want to kind of say, you know, this really stuck with me too, um, what you thought about over the week. So here are some of my reflections. So we, we talked about, Robbie talked about that Jesus described himself as gentle and lowly in heart. Remember that? And I thought, we talked about the fact that it was just such a relief to me that, that this is the way that Jesus describes himself. There's so many ways to, hey, come on in. Oh, no, no, no problem. Uh, there's so many ways, there's so many truths about Jesus, but the way he described himself was that he was gentle and lowly. Robbie talked about the fact that lowly in heart meant accessible. And if you think about the, um, the temple at the time, and, and uh, not that you would know this, but like the temple had different levels of like, okay, if you're a Gentile, this is as far as you can go. If you're a woman, you can go only this far. If you're a, if you're a pre... And so accessible and God... That does not go together in those times. So for him to say lowly in heart or I'm accessible, and of course he was, he was mixing it up with the crowds. Again, for me, I thought about that all week long. I thought about that we um, serve a God, we're learning about a God who is accessible to us. And I mean, boy, that's all over the New Testament um, in the Gospels when we're talking about Jesus. So really cool. Did anybody else have anything about this thought about gentle and lowly that you would like to share? Anybody think about gentle and lowly this week? Okay. That's okay. Welcome. Yeah. And I, as far as lowly in heart and gentle yeah. and just the way he was brought in into the world, like, you know, a manger and mm -hmm. a, a baby. Yes. Totally wrapped and swaddling his, you know, yeah. just, just That's really humble, isn't it? Humble. That is a very gentle and lowly in heart. That's amazing. Yes, that chapter is really, really good. Thank you, Reese. Who else has any other thoughts about gentle and lowly in heart? Okay, let's look about the next one. So Jesus' mission, um, Chris talked to us about this, that his, part of his mission was to seek and to save the lost, right? And so we serve a God that comes after us. He pursues us. Again, this is, this is unique to the Christian experience, right? We're not, we don't have to go find God. When we wander, he comes after us. He, there's so many verses in the Bible that talks about how God pursues us. And he actually left heaven to seek us. He left heaven to, um, to come and pursue us. Wow, that is an amazing uh, truth. And then to save. We talked about 
the word ransom, I forgot who it was um, that was talking about ransom. It means an exchange, right? It's like you're held captive and somebody comes in and they, they say, okay, I'll exchange a million dollars for you. And that Jesus said, I will ransom you out of, you know, the, the hell you're in. So what an amazing thing. And then finally to serve. Chris talked about that verse um, to serve, uh, that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And again, when you think about that word, we talked about what does the Son of Man mean? And the Son of Man means like this big king kind of figure in their mind. So the king came to serve? Wait, what? The king came to serve? That's not what people would expect Jesus to say. And yet, again, we serve. That's the kind of God that we serve. So anybody think about anything else with his mission you want to share? Okay. That's okay. So let's, let's um, remind you, I wanted to talk about our ground rules. So last week we set up some, hey, let's talk about what the purpose of this, these classes are and some rules we're going to live by. So I offered a couple and then I wanted, um, you guys offered some. So I added those and we can, we can add more as we look at these. But for those of you who weren't here and also really for those of us who are here returning, I want to be grounded in these rules. So the first one is to be curious, to be open, and to be interested, right? So we're here to learn. I love the, the top. It says, as a group of learners, that's who we are. We're all learning at the same time. We're going to be curious, open, and interested. We're going to respect each other. Um, remember that there's, this is, I'm jumping up and down, as Robbie likes to say, there's no question off limits. If you have a question, this is your place to ask it. That's really, really important to every single um, teacher in this room is that this is your place to ask those questions. I would be so sad if you left here with a question that you didn't feel safe to ask. So I'm gonna work really, really hard to make you feel safe enough that you'll raise your hand and talk and ask questions. Um, one of the other ground rules we have is to be patient with each other. We're all on different places in our journey, and that's okay. If, if I'm sure if God were looking at us and we said, okay, well, you know, the most spiritual person in the room is here, and here's God, like way, way on the other side of the building, right? So we might all be journeying in different places, but we still are all journeying. And so to be patient with each other. To be diligent to learn, in other words, to really um, dive in here with us and to be a learner. It's such a great posture of uh, when you can be a learner. Strive for practice and process, not perfection. I mean, that's grace, right? So we're going to strive for, okay, we're going to practice um, the, these things that we're learning, but nobody in here is going to be perfect. And be willing to be transformed, not just informed. So we are not here to give you a whole bunch of information that you memorize and you say, now I am an expert in who Jesus is. <laughs> so no, we're, that's not really what we're here for. We're here for you to encounter that Jesus and for you to be like, holy cow, I'm, now I'm different now because of that. And so having, again, having that posture of, I'm not just going to be um, informed. I'm not just going to be a collector of information, but I'm going to be transformed by what I 
say or how we interact. Remember, we have lots of questions in this room, lots of table discussions. All of that's going to remain the same. So anybody have any other ground rules? Everybody agree with these ground rules? Everybody ready to live by these ground rules? And does anybody have anything they want to add? Yeah. I love last week when you were talking about his mission. You pointed to specific scriptures. And I mm -hmm. thought that was so important as we like wrestle with things in the table, just like point back to scripture when we can. Okay, that's good. So yeah, and you know, I will say um, that Google is the best scripture referencing place you can find. So if you're like, I don't know that scripture, some scripture about Google is the best scripture finder you can have. So um, you know, as a common man, I will tell you that you don't have to have a concordance if you don't want one. So I appreciate that. What else? Okay. All right, Robbie, All right. Robbie Fisher. So here we're going to segue. Uh, we're going to use the book a little bit that um, you guys maybe have looked through. And here's the first question. So just around the table. What do you think, what have you heard culture say about who Jesus is? So it could be your neighbors, your friends, some people that you have in mind at school, whatever you've heard and seen, like put it all on the table and then come up with the two best ones that you think epitomize culture the most. So we're gonna take three or four minutes around the table to just compare notes and to just, you know. Once I hear Will Ferrell quotes, then we know it's time to, to wrap it up. Or we just keep going. All right, tell me what you got at the table. What are your best? Personal, healer, judgmental, teacher. Okay? Okay. Okay. What do you guys got? Uh, um, oh, they did one specific. Um, we had ju judgmental and healing, but also exclusive, nice guy, nice guy, build around Jesus, and then uh, big Jesus. Big Jesus. Baby, baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Oh, there's the Will Ferrell. That's really good. Yeah. What What do you guys got? Scott? Interesting. That's yeah. really good. Um, and wow, that's yeah. really good. It's interesting that people want Jesus to be one-dimensional, like only loving or only holy or only that. But, you know, you, you wouldn't want your wife to be one-dimensional. Like I come home and she only has one response to every single thing that's going on. Yes, Happy, dear. sad. <laughs> and, and not that. Um, but the, the, I was thinking the only person that you would want to be one-dimensional is like the bad guy in the movie that you want to blow him up at the end and all that, and then everybody cheers, right? But you wouldn't want that of any relationship, but somehow we want God to be just the one specific thing and nothing else. So I love that you guys have like a whole swath of different, he's a good guy, 
and he's also judgmental and exclusive. Right? Yeah. yeah the, well, you're right. While he's judging you. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you guys get? I think the, the imagery that most of us would ascribe to how Jesus would have appeared is typically that of an icon. Okay. With perfect hair. Mm. You know, wow. More muscles than probably you would think mm. someone in, in this region of the world would have. Okay. Not, uh, yeah, not, not actually representative of the culture that he was born into. Okay. Yeah, the opposite. The opposite, very cool. Looking like the guns here, right over in this guy. Something like that. <laughs> so, it's so. Have you read any of this book? Anybody kind of grabbed a few chapters? So it's interesting that uh, he's interviewing um, a, a, a guy named Norm Evans who plays for the Miami Dolphins, and he says, "If Jesus were alive today, I picture a six foot six, two hundred and sixty pound defensive tackle." who would always make the big plays, who would hit you the hardest, and then reach down and pick you up. Like, okay, that's interesting that culture, and, and in here he says, lots of people think he's Mr. Rogers, but he says, of course, the problem with thinking he's Mr. Rogers is, how does Mr. Rogers get crucified? How does he ever do anything that you would say, no, that's not outlandish, or that's crazy, or, or this, or, or confront the system? And make himself um, taking on, you know, the political entities. So anyway, this is worth reading. If you've, we're we're kind of covering the first um, few sections. So for the next few weeks, who is Jesus? But it's interesting. One of the things that I kind of keep hearing is we we want to land in a place, you know, of this dialogue that everything's up for grabs, almost like. And I, I read this from a Tim Keller book. He said, it's almost like if, if everybody's opinion of Jesus is equal, it's almost like he doesn't even exist then. Because what it is, it's just your opinions. Rather than him speaking for himself and really saying who he is. You know, so if, if you wanted to say that my wife was a six foot six, 260 pound, linebacker for the Miami Dolphins, you know, I would kind of go, well, have, have you talked to her? Have you seen her? Did, you know, that's not who she is, right? And if she doesn't really exist, and if she's not real, then your opinion is as good as anybody else's. But if she's really real, if she is truly a person with a personality and a, a truth you know, meter and she knows exactly who she is and can articulate that to you, then that's something that you gotta take a stand, uh, stand up and say, okay, then who are you? And I love it that Jesus, instead of saying, here's a list of doctrines about me, he lets you walk through the narratives of the gospel and he tells stories and he interacts with people and he says, come here, walk, walk alongside of me. We've got, we've got a seat for you right here, young man. Right on the front row. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this, this, this one section. I think Peter, 
you know, I, I love Peter the disciple. He's kind of hot-headed, and he thinks he's kind of got it all together, and he's a little bit larger than that, right? And um, Jesus says to the disciples one day, who are people saying that I am? Who's culture? What's culture saying about me? And, and they don't have the, the same, you know, experience that we have, but they, but they kind of say, oh, some say that you're a prophet. And some say that you're Elijah. And some say you're John the Baptist come back to kick the rear of Herod who just executed John, right? And Jesus hears all of this. And then he says this to them that I think as he says it to them, he's looking over their shoulder and looking at us. And he says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And I would say that's maybe the most important question that you'll ever be asked is Jesus looking at you saying, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Culture's got ideas. They're all bouncing around, and that's good. And, you know, we're all swimming in culture. But the real question is, but who do you say that I am? So with that... Um, I, I do want to say one other, one other thing. It's interesting, so click to me. What does click to me mean? I do not know what click to me means. But my lovely bride did. Um, so it's, it's interesting that like all the things that we have been saying, like what culture says, it tends to kind of almost dumb it down and say, I'm, I'm more comfortable with him just being... Uh, you know, human and just kind of being on this platform. So what I want us to do is we're going to show a video clip of Jesus interacting with um, a crowd. So it's from The Chosen. If you've, um, Pat, I think you told us about that last week. So if you watch this clip, and here's what we're going to do. Watch the clip, and then I'm going to kind of ask you around the table to talk about this. You see all the people watching Jesus, walking alongside of him. Which one are you? As you watch this clip, find yourself in it. Like, am I that lady? Am I that man? Am I that crowd, you know, that person right there? So find yourself, and then we'll talk around that a little bit. And then Chris is going to teach us, like, what we could really glean from the story about revealing who Jesus is. So, the clip. Thanks, Jacksonian. So, who are you? This is John, um, or you could use Peter. He's the one crawling on the roof and smiling big. Nicodemus, religious leader, still not sure. Looking, but, but he's very curious. Um, the one of beautiful faith. Uh, the one who's resisting at this moment, just has too many questions and the man who's experiencing Jesus. So however you interpret it, talk amongst yourselves who you might see yourself to be in that. Okay, so two or three minutes. All right, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us back to one, to one conversation. Um, have, how many of you have, have, have seen The Chosen or seen any of The Chosen? Um, yeah, it's just I, we were sharing at the table, like it's such a beautiful way for the scriptures to come alive. Um, obviously, it's, it's a, uh, a rendering of what it could have been like, but just even being able to... <coughs> if, can we just go back to the expressions? For, I'm sorry, Janet. 
<clears throat> even able to see these expressions, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a this is two-dimensional and we can imagine, but, um, but to be able to see this, that these were real people that experienced something, you know, very real. And as Robbie was saying, you know, the question of all questions that Jesus asked, and I love the way you said it of, he's saying it to Peter, but he's looking over his shoulder mm-hmm. to us. I've never heard that. It's a great expression um, of who do you say that I am? Um, not your neighbor, not your mom, your dad, but, but who do you say that Jesus is? And I would just, just for a second, because I don't want to miss this, like in the room, what, what do you think each of these expressions and people are saying that Jesus is as they've just witnessed and experienced this? And we don't have to, anybody who just wants to uh, just share, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the answer around the table that who you related with or what you think each of these expressions are saying and the answer to that question yep. that Jesus asked Peter over his shoulder looking at us, you know, of, of who is Jesus. I don't know much of the show, but the guy in the bottom left is that supposed to be James? Uh, he's John. Oh, it's John, okay. And Peter was the one crawling up the ladder. Yeah. Matthew's the one taking notes, yeah. stealing okay. the kids' yeah. peanuts. Well, I think the lady in the middle is rejoicing yeah. for mm-hmm. a miracle she just saw. Yeah. And the guy in the upper left-hand corner is going, oh, my days are numbered. Uh, oh, this guy here? In the upper right hand corner. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. going yeah. up. Uh, that's about, I mean, yeah. I think that's. Yeah. When I look at the lady sure. in the middle, I see on her face praise of he is who he says he is. Mm. Yeah. He can perform miracles. Mm. Mm. Well, that's great. And the guy in the corner is saying, hold. <laughs> How? Everything just changed. <laughs> yes. Mm. I'm in trouble if I don't start following this guy. Thank you. Is that Nicodemus? Yes. yes. In the middle. Um, thank you. He's, he's, see, he's been seeing things and he's starting to come around. And yes. He's, mm-hmm. just, he's just bewildered by what yeah. this is. The, I love yeah. that you shared that because I was noticing in the video, like, they're together but their expressions to mm-hmm. what just happened are very different. Yeah. Yes. So Nicodemus is with them, mm-hmm. but his, he's got an expression of wonderment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And remember last week in our, when we were in the scriptures and we were in John three seventeen, where Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And we talked about verse 16, um, probably the most well-known verse in the Bible, John three sixteen is in the context of a conversation. Mm. And I think, you know, to to talk about what Robbie's leading and Janet are leading us to of just who did Jesus say that he was, there was a real Jesus and and, an understanding that we can know him and not just Mm. a cultural Jesus or a a religious Jesus or a familial Jesus that you grew up with, um, that it it was in the context of conversation that that Jesus was talking about for God so loved the world. Mm. It, was in, it was with this guy that he mm. shared that with. Mm. And doesn't that change it? Because you, know, you, mm. you hear John 3.16, yeah, John 3.16. Um, but then you think about, no, we just got to listen in on a conversation that Jesus was having with mm. the man who witnessed this miracle. Mm. And I love, you know, you point, he's just taking all this in and he's coming to Jesus at night and he's, he, he's on his way to, to believing, mm. but he, um, Pat mentioned that our table, 
he had to make a hard choice, right? He's realizing I've got to make a choice. I came here with these guys, but who am I going, you know, home with? Who am I going back with? Like, what's going to lead me home, right? Anybody else on any of the expressions or this is Mark 2, by the way. So if we're, if you want to, you know, just jot down the passage, the, the miracle is captured in Mark 2. Um, and I, I'm going to read it, but anybody else want to, yeah, just jump in, Irene? The lady in the middle is the, is the one that has her expression, but I feel like she's saying, I knew he could do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I knew. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, her faith is so bold mm-hmm. That's right. that, that she would just put someone yeah. Yeah. We haven't really talked about yeah. the man who was healed. But, <laughs> That's true. You know, I think he's, he may have less belief than he or she did at the moment. You know, like, yeah. I can't believe this really happened. I can mm. you know, talk about everything changing. Yeah. Mm. Everything is changing for him. Mm. And he's so grateful. I mean, his so expression grateful. is mm. shock and awe, but also yeah. just overwhelming gratitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what hits me is that he's in that position of being rescued because of somebody. You know, kind of running with what you gave him the message of without Charlotte Martin, your family might not have come to faith. And she, her bold faith Mm. rescues him because he is standing in front of Jesus being forgiven and healed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a beautiful scene where he, where Jesus is looking up at her mm-hmm. and then at the religious and <laughs> looking up at her and, and really just comparing and contrasting and says your faith is, is beautiful. You know, we talk sometimes about, you know, you sometimes need to borrow someone else's faith. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to have your faith in Jesus, but, you know, um, but sometimes you got to borrow other people's faith to get to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a really cool thing to think about tonight afterwards in, in light of the passage is, you know, who do you identify with in the, in the passage and expression and why? Mm-hmm. And to Janet's point, you know, just, um, and Robbie, who are the people that have brought you to Jesus mm-hmm. um, and are bringing you to Jesus and are cutting the roof out and lowering you down and, and believing when she says to him, I know you can do it, mm. um, or believing before maybe you believed um, or have been, been able to express your own faith. Isn't that beautiful? And she also said, you know you can do it. You know you can do it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, Reuben. I kind of want to build on what Jocelyn said. I feel like she brought up a nice juxtaposition between the person on the top right and the person and the, uh, the woman who has faith. Um, just like Jocelyn said, she believes that he is who he who mm-hmm. he is, and I feel like the nice juxtaposition, the juxtaposition with the person on the top right is that he is in disbelief because he is seeing that Jesus is not who, in his context, I say he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that ties into the previous question of. Kind of what culture has put onto him, yeah, um, in, in a disbelief sort of fashion. Yeah, and when we see miracles and, and the work that he does, it's it's, it's <clears throat> unfortunately a complete complete contrast to faith and dis and, and belief and, and disbelief that he is not who I have said he is. Mm, really he, good. He is who he is. Yeah, it's good. 
Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think, you know, this is a good, I'm sorry. Was someone going to say something? No? Um, I think this is such an interesting moment. Just, I don't want to miss it as a class. Um, that when we read the scriptures, like, that we're reading about people like this, that had expressions like this, and, you know, their life was full of moments, uh, ups and downs and twists and turns and all, all the things. And I think sometimes when we read the scripture, um, it can be two-dimensional. You know, it can be, as Robbie was mentioning, like, they're, they're over here somewhere, um, and my life is here, and it's hard for me to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And I do think the beauty of a rendering like this is that these people had families, they had bills to pay, they had struggles, they had burdens, and they encountered Jesus. And they all had their reaction and expression, and they had to come back to that question, you know, mm-hmm. of and wrestling with who, does, who, who do I believe Jesus really is. I think yeah. in today's world, we meet people every day with those expressions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say, say more about that. So when I share my faith, I can, most recent, and forgive me if I go to the show, I spoke at my father's funeral. Mm-hmm. And... Nick helped me write it. Hmm. Because days before my father passed, about 48 hours, he accepted Jesus from me. Mm-hmm. And I never thought there would be a greater feeling than leading your child to accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. No, it's leading your lost father wow. on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. And when I prepared what I was going to say, I told the story that I know my father wanted every person in that room to hear. Mm. I realized I needed him Mm. just in the nick of time. Mm. Be smarter. Find your need for him Mm. before I do. Mm -hmm. Because your life would have been so much more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Not that I use those words, but looking out at the people in the church I saw many of these expressions. Mm-hmm. You know, my father was a very stoic man. He was argumentative and mm-hmm. pig-headed and mm-hmm. all those loving things that we say about mm-hmm. our parents. Mm-hmm. And so for the people who knew him from a non-spiritual side, <coughs> they were shocked mm-hmm. when I told them that I led him in the sinner's prayer Mm. and my stepmother over the phone and my stepmother text me whatever you're saying to him Mm. he's talking back to you his lips are moving Mm. and so I can relate just having seen those faces just by sharing my father's story of finding the need for Jesus Mm. Thanks for sharing that with us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sorry for your loss, too. Um, so I wonder, just a, a question, and I want to read the passage to, to finish this section. Um, what, what do you guys think is the difference between like what we just saw, a miracle recorded in the Scripture, and magic? Like, 
What's the difference between a miracle and magic? Magic is sleight of hand, illusion. Mm-hmm. Miracles are true. They okay. always explain okay. magic. You're a magician, you know how you made that happen. You can't explain over the miracle of God. Anybody else? I feel like magic is just like chalky bullshit. You know, like there's no real, that you're not going to do anything if there's a miracle magic trick. You know, but if you see a miracle, it might change the, the course of action that you're having. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's again top right against the three in the show? I think he's one of the religious leaders. He's an apprentice to Nic- Nicodemus. Nicodemus. He's like who's his the student. Right, is no, Nicodemus is uh, here, but. The guy at the top right is looking for the calculation, he's looking for the magic trick. Mm. How did you do this? He said, like, yeah. under whose authority yeah. are you allowed to do this? You know, yeah. So he's looking for the calculation. He's trying to figure out, mm. you, trying to figure out the logistics of how the yeah. magic You're trying to pull something over yeah. on us? Mm. Magic is poison. Mm. <clears throat> Miracles and poison, and, and God and Jesus is eternity. It's mm. healing and building more grace. Mm. Magic is poison. <clears throat> I was almost curious about uh, as the person that was healed was wondering if this was just like a show. And so like his reaction was obviously like, oh my gosh, this is incredible and I'm so grateful and you know, but I was almost wondering to your question around like the magic versus you know, if like was he slightly wondering if like, oh my goodness, like am I gonna like wake up tomorrow or I'm gonna be paralyzed again, you know, like mm-hmm. but That's a good point, Drew. I mean, because many times Jesus, when he would perform a miracle, would say, don't tell anyone. I don't think many magicians have said, don't come to my show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> don't buy a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, David. Yeah. So, so to our text here, which is, again, Mark 2, 1 through 12. Um, so was Jesus a magician or a, a miracle worker? Not a trick question. Yeah. Okay. And what? So our text tells us the like, mm. what he tells us is the difference, because we know in the scriptures Matthew told us Jesus did three things. He was a teacher. He was a preacher. He was a healer. But there were people that there must have been right. There there were people that Jesus passed by that needed healing that he didn't heal, and then there were people that he did heal. So he gives us an insight into why he did miracles in this passage. Um, so I just want to read it, and we'll close this section out, and then we'll, we'll continue on. But just maybe listen, and maybe this week you could read it on your own, but maybe just listen for the difference and what Jesus tells us in his own words about miracles and why he did miracles, why he did this. 
When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there were no more rooms, even outside, on, uh, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, and so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. for me. Sorry, I can't remember who's next. I'm introducing Gabe. Okay, now I have a speech prepared. Um, yeah. It was uh, really interesting. Just um, forgive me for 15 seconds. So Gabe and I are sitting beside each other, um, and Gabe serves as our executive pastor and serves as our Matthews congregation pastor as well. And But before any of those things, Gabe and I were in youth group listening to this guy. Hmm. So just for a second, I, I was 12 again with you yeah. as you're talking about Talladega Nights and uh, inappropriate humor and listening to Robbie teach. So that was a cool moment. Um, so uh, I'm going to invite Gabe to come and share. And if you don't know Gabe, you're going to enjoy hearing from him and you should know Gabe. Um, just a dear friend of ours and um, serves in those two roles for our church, really important. And um, is going to share a little bit about treats with us. Thanks. I was also transported back to the youth room. Mm -hmm. I was waiting for Robbie to go. Pipe down back there. Pipe down back there. No, no more. Pipe down back there, you. (laughs) Hold it down, (laughs) riffraff. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so the first thing is I just want to introduce myself a little bit for those that haven't had a chance to to meet yet. Um, I'm Gabe, and um, yeah, I grew up here in Charlotte. Grew up in a, in a family that uh, loved Jesus, and, you know, my mom and dad took us, took us to church, but, um, you know, there's, there's a moment where you have to, like, decide what you believe. It's, it's, it's just what Robbie and Chris were sharing. It's like you can be around faith, and you can have other people talking about faith, and you can be even in the places where that's happening all around you, but there comes a moment where you're like, you have to answer that question for yourself mm-hmm. of who do you say that I am? And for me, that happened when I was 14. Um, and this is a really special room. It really is. Chris alluded to it because Robbie and Janet were, you know, um, our leaders, you know, in, in our faith at that time. Um, Chris and I were together, the riffraff in, in the crowd. Um, and, and, and I think that's an important context just to say that because, you know, co- like meeting Jesus always happens in the context of a community in relationships because that's the only way the faith is is transferred it's it's in the context of of relationships and it's and so we we hear about Jesus but we see 
the life of Jesus being lived out by others mm. um, who've chosen to follow him before us. And so, you know, that was my context is when I kind of was in this church environment. But then like when I was 13, that the context changed because the church kind of created this uh, different environment um, in the student ministry for, for us to be in there and to be mm. kind of closer to people who were, um, you know, following the Lord who weren't our parents. And, and that was an important thing. And so uh, we went on a beach trip. That was an important mm-hmm. event in, in that phase of life, is getting away from home and um, going to the beach. And, and so I think we went to Ocean Isle, mm-hmm. if I remember. And um, you know, I heard about the stories of Christ. I could quote Bible verses. I mean, I think I used to win Bible competitions in the <laughs> church and stuff like that. But I, but, I wasn't, but I wasn't following Jesus. I just knew about him. And something happened on that retreat at Ocean Isle, and I'll never forget it. The, uh, the theme, I actually still have the book mm-hmm. that Robbie made um, at home, that, and the theme of the weekend was Can't Buy Me Love. <laughs> and, you know, if you've ever seen that old, that old movie, um, and it's really about, like, a young guy, like, trying to, like, find his identity mm-hmm. in relationships. And why that hit me was because I felt like a total outsider, Truth be told, I was just starting eighth grade and was was felt alone, um, felt like I didn't fit in, didn't kind of like know who my friends were. I remember being on that trip and like all everybody, all the kids were had their group and were doing their things. And I was by myself mm-hmm. on the on the beach and we went inside and we watched that movie. And then Robbie stood at the front and um, we actually watched the Passion of the Christ on on the movie screen, mm. um, which is you know it was a I, you know who did it back then. It wasn't the Mel Gibson one, but it was it was one you know where it was depicting the crucifixion. And for some reason, like at that moment, it just hit me of like what God had done for me, you know that like while I was rebelling and far away from God, that He came near to me um, and made a way for me to to know Him and be made right. With him and it just that truth that I had heard and I had been around that heard other people believe and talk about all of a sudden was mine and it, it was a powerful experience and I remember like I, I experienced it viscerally you know like mm. there was a kind of this um, shock wave of something happening and mm. as I believed and um, and that was it that was the moment like and it's weird to say I decided to start following Jesus because it was more like I just encountered him mm. in that moment and I could like I couldn't resist him and and it changed my life. Mm. Um, and then like what the, the important part that happened after that is I actually came home from that and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> um, and, pro- you know, because I just didn't know. I didn't even tell Robbie. My mom told Robbie mm. that I, I think Gabe became a Christian on this trip. <laughs> Something's different with him, you know. <laughs> And I remember Robbie's like, why didn't you tell me, you know, and then invited me to start meeting at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met at McDonald's for from eighth grade all the way through high school every mm-hmm. Sunday morning, seven o'clock, mm-hmm. um, egg McMuffin, large diet Coke. And he taught taught me how to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, that's what it's all about. Like that's that's the journey, and mm-hmm. and the truth is, like I still need people to help me follow Jesus, you know. And some of those people are in this room too. Ben, Ben's my friend, um, who helps still helps me in in friendship, you know. Figure out how to do that. Chris, every day, helping me and reminding me um, to to stay on the path because it's so easy to to not, you know. Um, 
So that, that's a little bit of my story and my journey, and um, that's why I'm like pumped for everybody who's in this class, because I think like just the interest in pursuing the person of Jesus, it, it does have that capacity to, mm -hmm. to transform your life. Um, and I want that for, for everybody. Um, all right, so we're moving into creeds. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, sl slide what? what? Oh, here we are. We're already on the, we're already on the slide. Um, who here has heard? She's got the magic. Yeah, yes. it's magic. I don't know how it happens. She always has. I'm, I'm stunned and amazed. Um, so who here has heard of a creed? Like, okay. Um, well, a creed, it's a, you know, um, it's not Apollo Creed, like the movie that just came out, right? What's that? Yeah. Um, the creeds are, creeds are an interesting thing. Creeds were uh, developed in, throughout the history of the church at different points when there was arguments about different points of contention about who God was or what the scriptures were, were trying to say. Then um, the Christian leadership would gather at different points that, in critical points of, of church history and would make big decisions on like what what the scriptures were saying was true mm -hmm. about who God was. And um, a little bit of my history with creeds, I grew up at, like, I have a very interesting church background. I grew up at Forest Hill, um, where Robbie and Janet are still serving, which at the time was a Presbyterian mm -hmm. church. Um, and then I became uh, a Baptist, and I was actually ordained as a Baptist minister. Chris, actually, Chris and Robbie mm, helped uh, right. ordain me in, in my first job as a minister. So I was a Baptist. Went to South Africa um, as a missionary, and when I was in South Africa, the church I ended up serving with was the Anglican Church, um, which the Anglican Church is a more uh, has more tradition in it, um, and it's more of what we call liturgical uh, type church meaning that um, there's the same things are recited and repeated as a part of worship. And, you know, I grew up thinking that was really boring and, like, not authentic or something like that. But what I encountered when I was in South Africa and, you know, becoming part of the Anglican church um, was a beauty in, in reciting some of the same things over and over and over. And part of what we would recite, every, every week we'd take communion. That was a part of, you know, the, the way that we would uh, worship in that context, and every week we would uh, recite the Nicene Creed as a part of that. And what it is, it's a, it's a way to kind of summarize what you believe is true. And to say that with a body of people, to go back to that idea of community, as a community of people trying to follow Jesus, and every week to say, this is what we believe is, is true. Mm -hmm. And I was raising my daughter, who was five at the time when we landed in South Africa, so she was raised from age five to age 11 there, and so really grew in her faith in that time. That's when she made her profession of faith. That's when she was baptized. That's when, you know, she was first discipled. And what was really cool was watching Madeline learn the faith through the lens of, of the Anglican tradition, and that she, she, we did a lot of memorizing. And, you know, as a seven-year-old, she's memorizing, you know, the Nicene Creed, and we're repeating it um, to each other every week. And there's a beauty in that because it reminds us of what's true in kind of a, a, a very short way. Um, so you can literally spend, uh, you know, a year going through a creed and, and learning all the theology in it, learning, you know, everything that you can learn about God in there. But we just want to do one thing and look at one piece of the Nicene Creed um, tonight. And, and to honor the Anglican tradition, um, I want us to read this out loud together because that's mm -hmm. how we would do it. 
Uh, that's part of the beauty of this tradition too, is you read a lot of things out loud together. And it's, there's something to me really beautiful about like the voices of the community saying, this is what we believe is, is true about God. So maybe you don't believe this is true right now, but just as a way of honoring my tradition, let's read it out loud together. Um, and we'll kind of, I'll lead us, but we'll go kind of slowly. I believe in one oh, Lord, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, and through Him all things were made. All right. Some big words in there. Some interesting words in there. But the one question I want to ask um, tonight is, what do we learn about who God is from this passage? What do, what do you see about who God is here? The only begotten Son. Okay, only begotten Son. Okay. And, and like, tell us more about that. What does that mean, only begotten Son? He is our, he is Jesus. He okay. is the only Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And died for our sins. Yeah. Yeah, in some ways the only the only human that was also yeah. from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As we started by thinking that the innocent baby that mm-hmm. was brought from the yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. What um, else do you see? Yeah, from this I kinda get there's nothing that exists outside of God. You know, like mm-hmm. he wasn't made, he was him and then like through him all things are made. So there literally is nothing that exists outside of God. Mm-hmm. That's really good, Camel. Yeah. Yeah. This is an important line, right? Born of the Father before all ages, like before time. Yeah. He's part of God. Yeah. What else do you see? Sorry, I'm like a a wall here. <laughs> Yes, that is put so well, and it's yeah. such a complicated idea, and it's the idea is called the Trinity, um, and the, the, you might have heard that before, the idea of the Holy Trinity, and it's God in three persons, um, and it's, it's three distinct persons, right, that are part of one God, um, and so it's a uniquely Christian concept, but here's my favorite way to understand this, and I think this is so powerful, because that can be a really abstract kind of strange idea, but think of this, God is the perfect community unto himself. God is the perfect community. Um, That before anything was created, God wasn't lonely, right? I remember thinking that as a kid, like, why did God create the earth? Well, like, man, it was was boring and lonely out there. It's like there was a void and he's hovering. Like, what else could he do? Um, But, you know, he, he was perfect. He has been and always will be perfect community, Father, Son, and Spirit, and three distinct persons living, because when it says God is love, right, like that's a powerful idea and image that like God is love, not just in that he 
loves people outside of himself, but he is love, like that he contains love, he models love. Well, how is that? And it's love between Father, Son, and Spirit that's perfect mm. in every way. Um, and so, you know, think of it this way, like ultimate community or ultimate reality is community. And that's why the church is such a powerful idea as well, is that it's, it's God's life in us as a community mm. that's modeling his life in himself um, that, that's powerful and important. And so um, this was, it's because it's such a uniquely Christian idea, um, there was a lot of debate about it, and that's why the creeds were written. And you see the year that it was written, 325 AD, so really, really early on in the history of the church. Um, this is how Christians understood the person of God and understood the place of Jesus, that he's part of the Trinity, mm. of the three persons of, of God. Does anybody have any questions about that? Any other thoughts? Any other words that pop out for you? Yes. That's really important language. Yeah. And in the creeds, like every single word matters because people debated and argued. And, right. Yeah. That's really good. Oh, hilarious. And we did like a Q and A of all the things you have to ask. And I was like, how is it that no one made God? My teacher was like, I, I really can't answer that. That's something you have to ask God. And then I had this fear, like, what if I get to heaven? And like God explained, he's like, it just is how it is. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like I just hate that I'd be like okay with that. I'm like, I need an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to go to heaven with all those questions. I, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, God's like you can't explain it here. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and they're comp complex ideas, right, to, to wrestle with, too. So mm -hmm. thanks, Campbell. I love that this, you were in this room and you remember that. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, if you have any other questions about creeds, you know, I'm, I brought my Anglican prayer book with me, so I'm ready. I'm ready to answer your questions. I'm very excited about that. Um, I'll, I'll hang around after class. And so, am I handing it off to you, Robbie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back to Robbie. So, so kind of, I'm going to go a different direction because like we um, said a little while ago, the one dimension, sometimes we kind of just want to put Jesus in a box and say he's always this or this is the way he always responds or all of these things. So I, I'm giving you a little bit of a primer for next week. So we just discussed Jesus as God. And by the way, I would encourage you to go back to the Mark 2 passage that Chrissy just taught on and just kind of look at it and, and see, you know, what, what God might say to you about forgiveness of sins, about Jesus' authority. Isn't it interesting that he forgives before he heals? You know, so maybe just walk through that and see how God is working in there, and I think that would be helpful. On the way here... I had a, an appointment with a young man who had met with 
some Jehovah's Witnesses who actually um, were trying to convince him that Jesus was not God. And he had these questions, and he had like a whole stack of books that he had been given and all that. And that actually is a part of the belief system in the Jehovah Witness faith of Jesus not being God. But so just for a moment, I'm just going to work under the premise that what we've talked about, you're at least registering in your mind, and maybe it makes sense. Maybe it just blew your mind about Jesus being God. But now I'm going to kind of do it the other way for a little bit and just ask this question, this kind of, again, next week we're going to talk about Jesus as man. So Jesus as fully God and fully man, which will, uh, will continue in the creed, and that's part of, of what it says. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. What in the world does that mean? So I just wanted to ask this question. Why would some people feel more comfortable with Jesus just being God. Like we walk out of here and we say, that's all there was to say. Here was the story. He's God Almighty, like the, the creed said. He made you. He invented you. He's all-powerful. We're done. End of scene. And walk out. So around your tables for, like we've got literally two or three minutes. So all I'm trying to do is just get you to think for a second about well, what about the other side? Okay, so why would people feel comfortable maybe just saying, okay, that's good enough. We're going to land there. Why would they feel maybe more uncomfortable if you said Jesus Christ was also fully man, fully God, fully man? Talk amongst yourselves for two or three minutes. It's 10 till, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, what do you got? Any ideas? This is just a primer, by the way. We're not going to develop this very much, but I just want you to think expansively about the possibilities. Why do you? What? What do you got, Benjamini? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that was heavy. I know, I know. I, emp I empowered you. Uh, what do you guys got? Pat, what do you got? I saw you talking. I know there's some wisdom coming. It's just age. Whoa. Okay. I like that. Hmm. Keep running in that direction. This table? You had a good insight, Drew. Yes. <laughs> you did, man. I was talking uh, just the fact that it's hard to follow it's hard to follow someone who is like you. So hmm. it's like how can if he's like me, then why how can I follow him? Because if I know me. Okay. Right? Okay. Okay. So, yeah, more accountability if he's a man, right? What'd you have, Matt? 
I think it's easy, easier to accept God as, well, why would some people be comfortable with Jesus being only God? Because it's easier to walk away from him. Okay. A God that doesn't understand me and is mm-hmm. a million miles away sitting mm-hmm. on a throne, someone I can say no to. It's yeah. much harder to think of saying no to someone sitting next to me with their arms wow. That's, that's commitment, intimacy, and a bunch of stuff. That is right on, and almost like deism, you know, or pantheism. Yep. Just burning on that topic and marrying it with your dance, marrying it with what Pat said. Over the years, talking with my father, he really wrestled with the fact that Jesus died for his sins. Mm-hmm. He would say, I believe he died for yours, mm-hmm. but never for me. Mm-hmm. That wasn't for me. Because he put Jesus out there mm-hmm. and not welcomed him to a seat at our dinner table. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. Until Preacher Boy started mm-hmm. praying, mm-hmm. just confirm your love and you become saved. Okay. Yeah, there's, in fact, uh, when the creed was written, part of it was a response to a heresy, so you can go home and impress people, called Gnosticism, which meant, um, real easily, uh, spirit good, flesh bad. So, like, everything mystical and God that's all great and all-powerful, sinless, but flesh cannot be. Flesh is bad. So we're, 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 we're trying to eliminate everything of the flesh. In fact, there's a, a painting from that era that has two Christs, one Christ on the cross and another Christ standing next to you on the mountain pointing at that cross and laughing because he's outside the body. He's not in, in the body of Christ on the cross because they had this idea that the flesh is so bad. And if you think about it, we feel this way lots of times. Like God is good, yeah, but I could never be forgiven. I could never be loved like that. I could never be, you know, walking with Christ, right? And so it comes from that philosophy that, you know, when you're in the spirit and you're praying, you're good. But when you're playing with your kids, that's not so spiritual. Like what? Yeah, now everything that you do physically, God doesn't really care about, but he cares about your spirit. And I'm like, well, that's not in the Bible. God cares about everything. He says, do all things to the glory of God, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're listening to, all spiritual. And so when you see Jesus is God and man, it screams out, God cares about his creation and people and how you feel and your storyline. He created that. And so that's marrying it together. And it kind of gives you a little bit of accountability. So I think I've got, do I have two minutes? Okay. So I'm just doing this weird thing because I like music. So anybody here know who Lyle Lovett is? So, you know, he was a a really quirky country singer. His claim to fame is he was married to Julia Roberts for like 15 minutes. 
something <laughs> like that. It's really a month, I think, but that was about it. Okay, so listen, I'm going to give you these. Can we just play the song? Okay, so I'm going to just play this song, but just look at these words. This is, this is so cool. Who keeps on trusting you when you've been cheating and spending your nights on the town? Who keeps saying that he still wants you around when you're running around? When you, who keeps on loving you when you've been lying, saying things that doesn't, it's not what they seem? God does. I won't. God will. I won't. And that's the difference between God and me. Like, what? This, this guy, I do not believe he's a Christian. But it, he's really got it together. So listen to it if this works. Let's just see if it does. We might have to. Come we, out we, 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 Yeah, we had finagled it so that we had the iTunes queued up. And all you had to do was press, press play. And it was going to work amazingly. But it looks like it's gone away. There's Lyle. So it's a two-minute song. Just interesting here. That he, that he does know for sure, God is forgiving. God will love you. But if it's just God, not me. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't have to love that way. I don't have to forgive that way. Sorry, it's not working. Okay, it's not working. And in scene, we're going to go to... So, so two assignments. Go read Mark 2. Go listen to Lyle Love it. God will. Yeah, it's kind of fun. And Janet will close us. Yeah, so... Um, Do you need this, babe? Okay. So last week we kind of gave you an idea of where we were going, that we have nine weeks together, and that we wanted to collect questions that you might have. So again, if you're thinking that you might have another question that came up today that you want to add to the list. But last week, these are some of the questions that we collected, and we kind of wanted to give a commitment about when we're going to address your questions and then ask you if you have any more that you want to add to the list. So how to follow Jesus in the valleys. I think, Irene, that was you. We're going to talk about that on week eight. Who gets grace? Week seven. What is salvation? Is it just for the good people? Why should we, why should we be good if salvation is assured? And is salvation always assured? So those are some tricky questions down there at the bottom. But these are the questions that we have. Remember, one week, week eight, is a uh, build your own adventure. We don't have any agenda planned for that, that week because we want to just address um, your questions. So we already have a couple there for week eight. But if you have others or if, as you think of them, we want to give you the opportunity to ask them. So I'm going to uh, just pause for just a second. Does anybody have any questions? Robbie's going to write for us. Does anybody have any questions that maybe bubbled up um, in our conversations tonight about is God, is Jesus God, or any other questions maybe that bubbled up from the week? Yes. Uh, Gabe brought up, I, I really found myself interested in history. So are there creeds that didn't stand the test of time? Okay. Or were proven not to be accurate or biblical? I'm just curious. Okay.
anything you're wrestling with about the person of Jesus, the, the biblical stories about Jesus, anything about that? I got one. Okay. What's Jesus got to say about free will? That's great. So remember, one of our um, <laughs> one of our ground rules is that there's no question off limits. So as you think about questions, um, bring them, bring them, and we'll we're gonna we want to address them. It's really important to us. Anybody else? Yeah. Recognizing Jesus in like the mundane everyday, like biblical Jesus. Can we see him in, in the everyday? Okay. In our everyday lives, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. What else? Anybody else? Okay. That's All good. right. So, um, Chris, would you just yeah. uh, close us in prayer? And I, I'll just—I just, just want to again thank you guys for I—I I just love the interaction that we're starting to feel safe with each other. We're starting to feel like we can talk about things and that's our goal. So um, we don't want to, we don't want to be the talkers. We want you guys to be the talkers. So um, thank you guys for that. So go ahead. Chris. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you for these friends and these circles that we can sit in and, and ask and, and journey with the most important question. Um, who is Jesus? Who do you say that I am? So help us to continue our journey, and would you make yourself 